time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. I want to go right into the scripture. I want to go right into the scriptures tonight. Right into John chapter 7. John chapter 7. I want to simply title this message tonight, Power from on High. Everybody say, Power from on High. John chapter 7, starting at verse 38. John chapter 7, starting at verse 38. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. Are y'all okay with this? Can we just go straight to the Word? I don't have any funny jokes to tell you. or any. It's been a great weekend. We love, I love all of y'all. just want to go straight to the Word tonight. John 7, 38. This is Jesus talking. And he says this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this more accurate translation is found in the King James, the Greek word there. And I won't bore you with all the semantics, but the more accurate translation there is out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The connotation, the idea here, whenever John was writing to the Jewish audience, and even as Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience, the moment he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, automatically they would have went back to a time whenever the great prophet Moses was walking the earth and he struck the rock. Remember this? And then the Bible says that water came, or he spoke to the rock the first time, the second time he struck it, he wasn't supposed to, but the big idea is that water came gushing out of this rock. And so it's with that mindset that Jesus begins to teach this Jewish audience. And he says, listen, listen, listen. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers or burst forth rivers of living water. Verse 39 says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'm going to look at another verse tonight. I'm going to give you lots of scripture. If you don't have time to turn there. You can jot them all down. I want us to go to Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Again, it will be on the screen. It says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not even worthy to loosen. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. New King, Trans, New King James translation says, New Living Translation says, with the Holy Spirit and with, with fire. We want to talk tonight about the third person in the Trinity, which is oftentimes treated kind of like Corey Asbury is saying last night, kind of like the weird stepchild in the Trinity. We know a lot about God or we've heard a lot about God many times and even in this generation. And 
different people, even of different faiths, embrace God, you know, whatever that means. And for the most part, all of us have heard a lot about Jesus and different things. And he is the one that we want to make much of for the rest of our lives. But I want to talk to you about the third person in the Godhead who is equally as important, equally as honorable, equally as powerful as the Father and the Son. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Notice I said his and he, because these are pronouns that refer to people. I did not say it, and I say that. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. He has feelings. He has an intellect. Scripture says that he can be offended. He can be quenched. He is a person more real than you and I. And so as we think about this concept of the Trinity and the concept of the the Holy Spirit being a person, I want to tell you that he didn't just kind of come on the scene in the day of Pentecost. And we're going to talk about that in the book of Acts. But if you flip your Bibles all the way back to Genesis, the Bible says that in the creation event, After God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit of God, the Ruach, the very breath of God, the breath of God hovered and moved upon the face of the waters. He was there in the beginning. He will be there in the end. And he's here presently today. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's not a that and it. He's not a feeling. He's not an emotion. He's not a power. He's not a force like may the force be with you. He is a person. He is a person. We want to honor him. And so him being there in the Old Testament, I want to just tell you his primary role in the in the Old Testament. We see him at creation, but however, in the Old Testament, he always came upon people, primarily priests, prophets and kings for a specific amount of time for a specific purpose. Okay, so many times you'll see even like the great prophet Elijah who moved in the power of the spirit and the, and the prophet Moses and King David and all these different things. Whenever the spirit of the Lord came upon his heart, he began to dance. Always you'll see the Holy Spirit reference with coming upon people just for a limited amount of time for a specific purpose, for a specific task. All of the Old Testament prophets, priests, and kings longed for the day because they knew it was coming. Where one day God would not just reside in in the holies of holies. He wouldn't just pour out his spirit a little bit. The days were coming whenever there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit without measure. Joel was the one who looked centuries and centuries into the future And he says, this is what the Lord says. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will begin to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And and even, even on your handmaidens, men, women, poor, rich, priests, prince, proper, does not matter. There will be an outpouring where there is no prerequisite of having to need, uh, there's no prerequisite of, gosh, the Holy Spirit just coming on me just to, you know, build the, you know, build the ark or, or, or build something special. It's just because of intimacy. The days were coming. So everybody in the Old Testament longed for these days. When's it going to happen? When's it, when's it going to come? Again, Joel was primarily the first to say, one day, there is a day coming when the Holy Spirit will be poured out. You see, there was a, there was a fullness 
of the Holy Spirit that the Old Testament people, the Old Testament believers, they had no concept of. Again, they longed for this great day of the outpouring upon all flesh, for the Spirit to be poured out without measure. John 3.34 says this, For he, he being Jesus, is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without measure or without limit. Wouldn't it be cool for that to be said of us, even here today? For Chase speaks the word of the Lord, for he is one in whom the Father has poured out his Spirit without measure. There is no base, there is no ending to the measure of the power of the Spirit. So here I want to talk about Jesus' promise. And again, lots of scriptures tonight, because I want to look at what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. So let's look at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. I am so honored to be speaking about the Holy Spirit. I want him to be my best friend. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice so desperately. For years now, even whenever I had an initial encounter with the Holy Spirit years ago, it was like, oh, oh, Holy Spirit, I I just, I want more of you. I, I need more of you. I became addicted to him. And I feel like even in this room tonight, there are some who have been longing and, and hungering and you, and you didn't exactly know how to maybe articulate it or say exactly how you felt or what you wanted or any of those things. But tonight, I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to give language to your hunger. That's what I hear him, hearing, what I hear him saying. It's going to give language to your hunger and your inability to express the deep hunger that's in your heart for more of Jesus, he's going to empower you tonight. He's going to fill you tonight. He's going to transform you tonight. Amen. So let's look at Jesus' promise. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Again, it's on the screen for you here. I'm just going to start reading for the sake of time here tonight. John chapter 14 and starting at verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. Parakletos is the Greek there. Another being, uh, basically Jesus was saying not just another one. No, no, no. The Greek word that he uses there is another one of the exact type, shape, form, almost the DNA of who I am. I will pray to the Father that he will send you another. I can say, hey, um, if there's a group of fruit on the table and, and you give me an orange and there's apples and oranges and grapes and I say, hey, give me another piece of fruit. Another isn't really in our English language. It's like, oh, another fruit? Oh, okay. Like I have an orange, but uh, you, you know, you give me the apple and I'm like, no, 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 no. I want another of the exact same. I want another banana. I want another apple. Okay. Not just some fruit, not just in general. So Jesus was saying in the Greek here, I will send you another of the exact type shape and almost the DNA of who I am. I will send you another who's just like me. Essentially he is me because we are one. I will send you, I will give you another helper that he may big deal here abide with you forever. Verse 17 says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him for he dwells with you. Bigger deal here. And he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now we sit here is not a huge deal for us because we've seen outpourings of the Holy Spirit, maybe. But for these believers, this was a brand new concept. This was a brand new paradigm that Jesus was saying, not only will he be with you, because again, in the Old Testament, he was with Elijah. He was with Abraham. He was with Moses. He was with the priest. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I will pray to you that God will send another exactly like me. And not only will he be with you and abide with you forever, but now he will be in you forever. Oh, this was revelational to them. They're like, no, you're kidding. Are you serious? Those days are coming. I mean, we've, whole, we've heard the prophets talk about this. I mean, they all would have been accustomed to, to the prophecy that Joel had declared years and years ago. And he says, yes, yes, yes. These days are coming. He will be with you, but he will also be in you. If you flip over Luke 24, verse 49. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus says this, behold... I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Same verse in the New Living Translation here says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city. Listen, disciples, I don't want you to go try to build a church. I don't want you to try to go and pray for the sick. I don't want you to try to go evangelize as cute as you are and as awesome and charismatic and popular and favorable as you are. Don't try to do anything in your own strength and in your own power because you will fail. Jesus had this concept because scripture says that he had been, the Holy Spirit had been poured out in him Without measure, he had a limitless source. And if he needed that limitless source, how much more did they? Better question, how much more do we? So he says, I'm going away. And you, you know, at the time is coming and I'm going to be crucified and, and I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect. But look, 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 look. Here's what I want you to do. Final instruction. A good author always knows or a good speaker always knows. You put the most important things at the beginning of your book and at the end of your book. That's what people are going to remember. The last command that Jesus gave the disciples here was stay in Jerusalem. Remain there until you be filled, endued with power. From on high. Of course, the Greek word there, many of us know it. Dunamis, dynamite, explosive power from on high in the heavens. Oh, he was talking about a supernatural concept because he knew what they would have to face. He knew that most of them would be modern. He knew that most of them would face challenging situations. It wasn't just for them to demonstrate power and for them to look good and look powerful and heal the sick and raise the dead. But he knew that they needed an unending reservoir that came from deep within their hearts to whenever, even on their bad days, they could say, oh no, I've run, I've come to the end of myself. They would be able to say, but here I'm at the beginning of this reservoir, this Holy Spirit that is welling up on the inside of me. I have been endued with power from on high. Amen. And so he tells his disciples, he tells his disciples this. And now 
I'll send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts 1 and 8, we're moving through this journey. Last words of Jesus as he is ascending post-resurrection for a period of about 40 days or so. Jesus appeared many times to his disciples. He came in walking through walls and floating and all sorts of stuff, eating fish and all this kind of stuff. And he, and he, and he comes in and he, and he gives them encouragements and he shares different things with them. But again, a good writer, a good storyteller, a good speaker always knows save the best for last. Save the most memorable. So literally, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven at the beginning of the book of Acts. And his disciples had always thought that there was going to be some kind of governmental military takeover. That's, the, that's what their concept of the kingdom was. So whenever Jesus, who was known as the bringer of the kingdom, they thought, oh gosh, a new kingdom Oh, yeah, like Jerusalem is going to be restored and all these people that have been bullying us for years and years, we're about, we about to come into our own, okay? We're coming back to our strife. Like, we are here for a takeover. I mean, God is about to exalt Jerusalem and everybody about to fall down and worship all of us. They still did not get it. They thought it was a military, governmental takeover whenever Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. I am bringing in and ushering in a new way of doing things. But still, after he had walked with them for three and a half years and he taught them parable after parable after parable they have the nerve to ask him as he is about to ascend back into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the father as he is still seated today he they ask him god explain to us what is it what, what, what does it mean what, what what's going to kind of happen at the at the end of the day this is acts verses one through six and like but, but tell us you know tell us how is all this going to happen and he says no 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 this was jesus's response to them But you shall receive power. Again, dunamus, explosive dynamite power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then into the uttermost parts of the world. See, they were asking him one thing and Jesus begins to respond. He said, no, 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 no. This is what you need to be concerned with. Power. Not for your own gain. Not for you to just kind of do cool things and people to know your name. But power is always to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. To let a generation know that our God is alive and well. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still moving, breathing, healing with signs and wonders. And all sorts of things just as in the days of old. His power has not diminished I would, I would say, I think it would be stood to be said that. Gosh, our belief and our hunger is what has diminished through the years. But I believe the days are coming in this generation where we will begin to demonstrate the power of God like never before. I make no apologies about it. Even as David was talking earlier in our our mission and, and what God has called us to do. Gosh, to empower and equip a generation to provoke such a hunger on the inside of this generation that signs and wonders will begin to follow behind this generation again. And all of the teenagers in America will know that there is a God in heaven, okay, with all power. You see what I'm saying? So here's the deal. We have a generation. 
We have a generation that is fascinated with the supernatural. And we just shrink back and we just bow our heads and we say, oh, let's just do church as normal. And let's just have youth group. When we have an entire generation that seems to be drawn towards death, that seems to be drawn towards supernatural powers. And God saying, gosh, I put the hunger on the inside of you because I am the real power. And we have a whole generation that is settling for some false pseudo demonic powers and vampires and all these different things whenever God says I am trying to give you a feel for the real I'm trying to give you a sense for what's authentic because your fascination with the powers of darkness was never meant you were never meant to play in the dark for you are children of the light and there is real authority and there is real power that flows from the Holy Spirit of God that for many of you, I feel like the Lord would say, you've been kind of just kind of going and you, you've had this hunger on the inside of you. You've been chasing after all these things, not even knowing that I am the one that satisfies. I am the one who not only wants to be with you for the rest of your time here on earth and in eternity, but I want to be in you. A deep well that breaks forth. You see what I'm saying? He that believes in me out of his belly, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Amen? Come on, the Holy Spirit. So powerful. This is what I've learned about him. Is the more you begin to talk about him, the more he comes. The more you begin to honor him, the more he comes and let me just tell you we will make much of him in our lives we'll make much of him tonight because he is the one that we need he is the deliverer oh god why settle for anything less than the authentic and the real why settle addicted to sins and chains from your past why settle for depression Why settle for inappropriate things on the internet? Why settle chasing after boys and girls and chasing for somebody to like you? Whenever he says, you are already what I want and I desire to fill every empty place on the inside of you. That void, only I can close it up on the inside of you. Yeah, it's cute that you prayed a prayer 10 years ago, but I'm talking about a continuous river that flows from you. I'm talking about what Galatians says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Find yourself in a state of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event, but a continuous lifestyle. Holy Spirit, fill me up to overflow. That's what we want. That's when we'll see revival. So we can pray about it and we can talk about it. We can be about the kingdom of God. Let's just get real tonight. We can't do anything without the Holy Ghost. Just as the disciples obeyed Jesus's word and they sat there in Jerusalem and it was boring and it was tiring and it was exhausting. Okay. So started off with some 500 or so at the end, only 120 were still left waiting there saying, but this is what he said, Jesus, this is what you said. We don't even know what we're waiting for, but we know that you said to wait here until we be filled with power on that. Okay. You see the crowds just dwindling down and then they got to 400 and the 400 were still there saying, God, we're waiting for power. 
power. We don't even know what this means, but God, we will wait here. We know when it comes, we will realize it because you're talking about supernatural dynamite, explosive power. And so they're saying, okay, 300, and then they're down to 200, and maybe somebody got some kind of emotional high, and they say, that's not it. No, no, no. We will all know whenever the Holy Spirit is poured out. Then they got down to 200, then they got down to 150 and 120. And then that takes us to the book of Acts, chapter 2. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. There was no wind blowing, it was a sound of wind. The sound. From heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them. Literally. They saw this. This is not metaphorical. Nobody was caught up in a vision. There appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire or divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each one of them. 120 total. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's what's beautiful about this. God always knows what he was doing. He knew what he was doing from the beginning. There's three major feasts that Jews had celebrated. They were Pentecost. They were Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. These were three major festivals that even Jews who had been scattered all over the world, they knew that for these festivals, they made it a priority to come back. But if you could only make one because of finances or whatever, Pentecost was the one to be at. Okay? And so Pentecost even fell at a time whenever the climate was, uh, the climate lended itself for safe traveling. I mean, they're crossing oceans. You know, nobody had planes back then, obviously. And so they had to wait because, it, I mean, one wrong, the Mediterranean is nothing to play with, okay? And so, and so you have a bad storm that will come and you're gone, okay? Trying to get to your little festival. And so, so but Pentecost, but, but, but Pentecost just so happened to be at a time whenever the traveling conditions were favorable both on land and sea. This is how God thinks. He's so much smarter than all of us. So the likelihood of the majority of all the Jews in the region would highly be up for the most amount of the Jews to be at this particular festival. And it's at this festival where the Lord says, okay, I will pour out my spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit without measure. So that's what we have in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So again, the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. You'll have to rip that page out of your Bible if you don't believe in it. Go ahead and just tear it on out or smash your iPad or your electronic Bible and just smash that page or something because, because it's, in the word, it's in the word of God and it's very clear. They begin to speak in some supernatural language. They begin to carry on so much so that the entire city thought that they were drunk, thought that they were out of their mind crazy. And then Peter gets up, the same Peter as Pastor David was talking this morning. And 
And whenever Peter says, you know, you are the Christ, you are the anointed one, you are the anointed one. And, and Jesus says, okay, Peter, your name is Peter or Petros, which means little rock, but you are Petros, big, large rock. And upon this rock, the revelation of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so it's Peter, the same Peter that denied Christ. You have a spirit filled tongue talking Peter that was too afraid to even say that he knew Jesus on the day of Pentecost out of nowhere, some kind of way, this dynamic explosive power had overcome him in this same, we don't see this weak, timid, fragile Peter who, after Jesus was crucified, went back to fishing again. I mean, there's so many X marks against Peter. And some of you may feel that there are X's that have been placed on your life. But I feel like tonight the Lord would say, I am removing the X and I will place a check right on your life. So it does not matter whenever people write you off because your story is not done until there's no breath left in your body. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. You show me the weak and the timid person and I'll show you that very same person that is full of the Holy Spirit and dynamic, explosive power from on high. And you wouldn't even recognize him. So out of nowhere, Peter rises up and he says, hey, men of Israel. And he begins to preach and he begins to tell them these men are not drunk with wine as you say, for it's not even the proper time. But this is that which the prophet of old spoke, Joel 2, 28. And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And, I, and Peter just begins quoting from Joel. And then he says, OK, Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus and you will receive the gift, the promise of the father, which is the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And so from there, we see that in numerous places in the book of Acts where this experience begins to take, take place. Acts chapter 10, to go there, at least jot it down. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Of course, back in Acts chapter 9 is whenever Saul is converted and God changes his name to Paul. And, and then he sends him to a man named Ananias. And Ananias lays hands on Paul. And the scripture says that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it does not say that he spoke in tongues at that moment. But later in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So, so here, let's go to Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 47. While Peter was still speaking. We have Peter preaching again. This is a spirit empowered Peter. While Peter was still speaking these words, I mean, in the middle of preaching, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, which are Jews who believed were astonished. Why? Okay. Side note, Jews still thought that they were the center of the universe. Okay. They're like, surely, <laughs> I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, I mean, without measure, but Gentiles, I mean, dogs, for real, because that's what they, it's, it's, uh, surely God wouldn't do the same thing in them that he did in us, you know? And so we have here the first account that Gentile, and if you're confused about that, if you're not a Jew, 
you're a Gentile. So it's really, really clear. Two types of people, okay? So it'd be like kind of us being there, all of us who are not Jewish. And, and, and so they were so confused. It says, verse 45, and those of the circumcision, i.e. Jews, who believed were astonished. I mean, they were flabbergasted. I mean, they were taken aback in complete shock and wonder. <gasps> as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, let me ask you something. Just like on the day of Pentecost, they knew whenever the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were manifestations. Something was both seen and heard. They knew that the Holy Spirit had entered. And so for the Gentiles, it wasn't some ethereal, uh, they were all sitting there and the Holy Spirit came in some invisible way and then they just put a smile on their face and walked away. No, 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 no. Scripture says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, verse 47, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit? Key words here, just as we have. It was clear and it was evident. Something took place for these Jewish believers to be able to say, oh, yeah, imagine that. The Holy Spirit is not just for us, but he is for all who believe. And that's what Peter even preached on the day of Pentecost. For this promise is not unto just you, but to your children, your children's children, to as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. This is great news tonight. This is great, great news tonight. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I want to read four verses there. A lot of word tonight. I love preaching. I love inspiration. I also love just teaching the word of God. Showing you what his word says. So Acts 19. Verses 1 through 4. says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, verse 2 says, he said to them, some disciples. Now let me ask you this. Were these Christians or non-Christians? Okay, shout it out. These were Christ followers. These were those who were followers of the way. Accepted Jesus as their Savior. So, so Paul, Paul comes across him and he says this. Okay, this is in your Bible. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, into what then were you baptized? So they said... Oh, into John's baptism. If you remember quite clearly, John was the same John, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus in, in water. Okay? So they say, okay, we know of John's baptism. We, we've been baptized in, in, into water. And he says, okay, great. Verse 4 says, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is... On Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Okay. And so notably, just about every time 
the scriptures mention someone receiving this, this encounter, this, 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 this baptism of fire that John talked about. Jesus being the baptizer all through the book of Acts. You can't dismiss the fact that there was something both seen and heard. There was some visible thing that happened where there was prophesying, but more often than not, there was the speaking in other tongues. They were speaking in this supernatural language that they did not, they did not know. And so here's the deal. Don't get nervous on me or anything. So many of us come from different backgrounds. We're different journeys in our faith and different experiences. And gosh, and every single one of us have a theology. And, and if you didn't know, uh, you do, okay? And so if your theology isn't good, it's just by nature bad, okay? So, so many of us are just prone to believe what we've always heard or just different teachings or different people who have influenced us in our lives. But I present to you tonight simply the word of God. As evidence in scripture. And so, and so whenever it comes to this, to this notion, and I want to just settle your hearts tonight, because the natural question would be, if I didn't hear the Holy Spirit, when I would say, well, what kind of spirit did I get? Okay. Cause I got something whenever I ask Jesus into my heart. So let me help you tonight. I want to talk about salvation versus spirit empowerment. Okay. So at the point of salvation, We receive the Holy Spirit. According to scripture, it is he who even draws us to God. His main task is to glorify Jesus. Jesus said this, he will, whenever I send you the Holy Spirit, he will not speak of himself, but that which he hears the father say, he will repeat it unto you. He will show you things to come. He will bring things to your remembrance. He will empower you. He will help you. And so, and so the Holy Spirit, whenever he comes, he makes much of Jesus every single time. And so, so at salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. John 20, 19 through 22, will kind of just kind of explain some of this. Jesus, the disciples were not saved while Jesus was on the earth. What I mean by that is Jesus had not, they were still Jews by nature, they were just following a great rabbi who was the greatest rabbi of all time. Their faith was in Jesus, but he had not yet been crucified, resurrected from the dead. Okay. And so, and so this is why Jesus tells them, I will pray while he's here on earth. I will pray the father that he will send you another, the Holy spirit. Okay. So John 20, this is post resurrection. Jesus comes through the walls. Okay. Like he likes to do. Okay. In verse 19, it says, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21 says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be to you as the father has sent me. I also send you. Verse 22 is key here. He says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And again, in the Greek tense here, it would lend us to believe that one by one, he went down the aisle, pulling his disciples close and just breathe, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. One by one he goes. At that point, 
they experience what we now know as New Testament believers, salvation. They received the Holy Spirit. They were saved. They were in the kingdom of God. They were in the family of God. But here's the tricky thing. Even after that experience, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What you going to do with that? Okay, so 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 here's the deal. Even as Paul went to these disciples in Acts 19 and says, hey, 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 these disciples, I know that you guys are followers of Jesus, but have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? In other words, have you received the endowment of power from on high? Kind of like us and the rest of the disciples. You see, for the New Testament church, it was almost unthinkable. Almost, it was out of the ordinary. It was so bizarre to find a disciple who had not, who had not also been endued with power from on high. And if they did, they certainly gave them the opportunity. Hey, I know you've accepted Jesus. I know that you're a disciple. I know that you're following him. But hey, there is another encounter with him. Matter of fact, a continual, repetitive encounter with him known as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And endued with dynamite power from on high. If you believe that, just say amen. So here's the deal. Here's the, here's a big idea. So, so it's really easy to just say, gosh, you know, um, uh, gosh, I prayed and asked God. God filled me with the Holy Spirit. And then I just got up and then went about my normal day. Okay, well, that's cute. But according to scripture, there was always some type of supernatural happening occurrence. According to scripture... Okay, not theology, not background, not denomination. According to scripture, there was always something that occurred that would let the rest of the believers, oh yeah, they've received, they've been, they've been endued with power from on high. And so, so I want to submit to you that one of the evidences, not the evidence, one of the things that normally happens after someone has been endued with power from on high is the ability to speak in other tongues. Okay. Okay, nobody get freaked out, okay? So, so we're just like, okay, so, so it can reasonably be expected once you have encountered Jesus, it is in you. You have the ability to speak in an unknown language. And you may say, well, why? I mean, I don't want to draw attention to myself. And some of you are so cute and humble, and I love you. And God loves you. But it's not even, that has nothing to do with humility God honors, but it's so much more than that. So I want to talk about this idea, just like Trinity is not in the Bible, you'll never find anything in the Bible that says prayer language, okay? But you will find, just like Trinity is nowhere in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Some of you didn't even know that, it's all good, because I thought it was in there for years and years and years. Nowhere in the Bible. There are traces, there are evidences where we say, oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this is the blessed Trinity, Okay, so in the same way, whenever Paul, whenever the New Testament believers begin to teach and speak on these things, I believe that. And here's the deal. Gosh, why would God use this supernatural language once he has endued someone with his power as one of the evidences or one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit coming alive in your heart? Well, I want to just submit to you a couple of different things to see to align with the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. God does this to demonstrate his power and his influence. Because here's the thing. What does the Bible say about your tongue and my tongue? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. 
But listen to what James has to say about the tongue. James 3, verses 3 through 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5 says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a forest, consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Your tongue. My tongue. Wouldn't it make sense for Jesus to say the most unruly part of your body, where I even said in my own word, it's set on fire with the flames of hell. Whenever he begins to demonstrate full power, he says, but I will take the very thing that I says can destroy your life and I will use it as a sign. One of the signs that I've endued you with power from on high. It's unruly and full of poison, James goes on to say. James also says in James 3, 9 and 10, therewith we bless God and even the Father, and out of the same mouth we, we curse things. And he says, gosh, these things should not be so. And he's talking to believers. God takes over the influence of the most unruly member of your body to say, hey, 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 I am in authority. I have full control here. Amen. So, so here, here are the things. What are the purposes for speaking in other tongues? What are, and I'm just teaching tonight, okay? What are the, what, what's the big deal? Why is it? I mean, it was, okay, here, here, here. Here's what you're, you're missing. So, so Isaiah 28, 11, and 12 says, For with stammering lips and, other, and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. One of the purposes, speaking in other, other tongues, is rest and refreshing to your spirit. I promise you, and I will be willing to, I will be willing, gosh, after six years of full-time youth ministry, you guys, half of the things that teenagers deal with and need to be delivered from and all these different things, I promise if you would just get into this and begin to tap into a supernatural language, you can learn to pray yourself out of some of the hell that the enemy has just been throwing at you. You see, okay, half of you believe that. But let me just tell you, that's not, that's not just, so, I'm just telling you. Half of it can be taken care of. You just know how to go into God's presence and begin to pray not only in English, but begin praying on another frequency level. The language of the spirit. Isn't that crazy? I know this is so great because for half of you, this is like, oh my God, this is the first time that, I mean, we're at Coram Deo and Jesus, I didn't even know. But here, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Just teaching you what God's word says. And then you weigh it and test it in your own heart. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Another reason, another purpose for speaking in other tongues is for intercession. Praying for others. Here it says, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself make an intercession through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Uttered, their meaning uttered in our natural language, in our mother tongue. Uttered in the language of our own mind. So the Holy Spirit begins praying through us. 
in another language with groanings of the spirit where you begin to pray, not with your mind, but remember that whole concept of your belly from the very river of God. Amen. Amen. So these are just purposes. These are just kind of benefits. First Corinthians 14 and four says he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself or builds himself up. But he who prophesies builds up the church. Maybe this sounds selfish, but here's the deal. Unless you are full and built up, how can you build up anybody else? Jude 20 says this, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the language of the Spirit, the tongues of men and of angels. Listen to this. Listen to me very well. You were made for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Your heart is like a fireplace. Reinhard Bunke says this. It's kind of like your heart is a fireplace. And whenever the wind of the Spirit comes in, he just begins to blow out all the ashes of your past, all the ashes of your mistakes. And then he begins to set a fresh fire in your heart. You were built for the supernatural. You were built for the supernatural. And so the concept here, our hearts are fireplaces for the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. I was raised in a denomination for my, uh, all the way up until age 16 or so. Did not believe in spiritual gifts. Didn't believe in miraculous healings were for today and all these different things. It's, I'll give you a fancy word here. It's called cessationist theology. And so write that down. That's $40,000 of uh, master's training there. Okay, so cessationist theology, which basically means whenever Jesus and the apostles went away, so did the supernatural. So, so and, and all these different things. And so I begin to just read the Bible and imagine this. I begin to read in the book of Acts. And we're going to discover, oh my gosh, Lord, Lord, where is the outpouring of your Holy Spirit today? Where is the supernatural manifestation of your power? Where are the healings? Where is the prophetic? Where are, where are supernatural words that are revealed to someone, not by man, but by the Spirit? And begin to just wonder about these things. And that just set me on a course of reading and studying and, and just getting into the Word of God and fasting for the first time. Say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Nobody had to tell me. I just looked and read in the book of Acts and I said, gosh, they, it seems like, man, God, it just, I mean, I'm no theologian or anything. I mean, I'm 16 years old, but God, it certainly seems like whenever I am empowered from on high, there should be something that's majorly different about me. There should be some sort of supernatural manifestation, not just I love people better or I'm nicer to people, all of those things. But there should be something where I know that I know that I know that I've encountered Jesus. Here's the thing. Whenever you receive Jesus Christ, salvation, what is the evidence of it? Well, you can say, well, I begin to bear fruit, but how much fruit can you bear in 30 seconds? <laughs> you receive Jesus by faith in the same way you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. By simply saying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm empty. I'm dry without you. And I need you. So it is by faith that you gain everything in the kingdom of God. So prayer is the key, but faith certainly unlocks the door. And so by faith, we receive his Holy Spirit saying, God, fill me up tonight. And so by faith, I begin to ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And 
Gosh, I can't tell you the amount of times I'm just crying out to God in my bedroom. Lord, how, okay, Lord, I want to speak in tongues too. Not just because I think it's cute and cool, but Lord, there seems to be something about it in scripture where, man, I want to be like Paul and, and demonstrate all these. God, God, I want, I want to pray in tongues. I just, I want to, and you can make fun of me if you want to. And people did and in that denomination and, and people laughed and people said, ha. I mean, Brandon, there's no need to be so radical. I mean, what's the big deal? But here's the deal. They laughed me right into my supernatural encounter with Jesus that none of you can ever take away from me. January 21st, 2000 in my kitchen at home, nobody else at home got off the bus. I used to get off the bus to run and watch one of my favorite uh, just preachers that would come on TV at a certain time. And, and I would like literally run from the bus out because I would be able to catch like the last 10 minutes before he went off. And so, and so I, I got there and on that particular day, he was preaching about the uh, Pentecost experience and being filled with the Holy spirit and the ability to speak in other tongues. And I was like, Oh God, come on, don't mess with me now. You know, I've been asking, you know, I want to, I, I want these things. I just, I want, I, I want it. I desire that. Then I begin to read in first Corinthians where Paul says, Hey, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I mean, it's the one t- place in scripture where he says, covet, like burn with desire for spiritual gifts. Okay. So don't tell me I can't hunger for certain gifts of the Holy spirit. You came too late. Okay. And so I'm there and I'm saying, God, I want, gosh, I want to operate in the supernatural. I want, I want the gifts of the spirit. And so I'm sitting there in the kitchen, this preacher just going off. I mean, just nuts, screwing his head off. And you know, all those things you can say what you want, but there was something an encounter that day. And so he just begins to say, gosh, those of you who are just watching on TV and watching from home, I, I want you to just begin to ask God to fill you right there in your house. And I'm at home and I'm jumping around in my kitchen just saying, God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Spirit and fire right where you are. And I wish I could tell you that some magical, mystical thing began to happen. And because that's what I always thought. I thought it'd be this overwhelming, slam me down, knock me out, fall on the floor, roll around five times. And then I would be like speaking in some new language. No, 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 no. But it was as simple as him saying, hey, this is your own volition. This is your own will. You speak, but he gives you the utterance because it comes from within. But you've got to speak. And I was like, oh, God, why didn't somebody tell me this a year ago? It's right there in my kitchen. You can say, hallelujah, Jesus, I praise you. God, I worship you. By faith, I receive your Holy Spirit. By faith, I will begin to speak out this unknown tongue. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there praying, God, I worship you. God, I thank you. And then this river begins to flow out. Now, before you judge me, 1 Corinthians 14 don't judge me. This is a judgment-free zone. First Corinthians 14 talks about order in the kingdom of God, right? And so I was taught my whole life, never speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. And for 17 years, I'm like, well, where are the interpreters? I mean, can we pay one? Can we get one here? I'm just trying to hear somebody speak in tongues. I'm just being real, okay? And so that was kind of teenagers that I was because I was just like all in or all out. And so then I begin to read scripture for myself. First Corinthians 14, where Paul says, he that speaks an unknown tongue begins to build up himself, but he who prophesies builds up the church. And he says, so what will it profit you if I come to you speaking in an unknown tongue? Unless! I come to you by revelation, by prophecy, by teaching, or to give you some doctrinal explanations. 
So what I did just now was I prayed in my prayer language. It was not a prophetic tongue, which requires an interpretation because I was not speaking to you. I was speaking to God. You don't need to know what I'm saying to him. So it's the same as me just in worship. I'm talking to him. This is earth communicating with heaven. But then there are some times whenever the gift of tongues, which is the not, one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, where God wants to speak to us. So this is a language of heaven communicating with earth. And this is where Paul says, hey, there needs to be an interpreter. Because if I just sat on this mic for the rest of the night and I just spoke in tongues, nobody is built up. I mean, I'll have a great time because I'm being built up. But none of you are edified and I'm the speaker for tonight. And so Paul says, but if I come to you in an unknown tongue, I will come to you because I'm teaching you something. I'm trying to stir up some faith on the inside of you. I'm trying to get you used to an atmosphere where the supernatural, where tongues is an operation, where it becomes as easy and natural as you breathe out and you exhale. It's volitional. It's my prayer language. It's my tongue. I don't need an interpreter. I don't need you to tell me what I'm saying. For how be it, Paul says he speaks mysteries in the spirit. He's uttering mysteries in the spirit. It's the language of angels. It's the language of the supernatural. And God hears you perfectly. For Romans 8 says, he who speaks in unknown tongue or he who prays in the spirit is praying out the literal mind of Christ. The mind of God. Oral Roberts used to say this, founder of Oral Roberts University, he says, gosh, the, the whole way that he even built Oral Roberts University was just pacing around a property. And he says, as I begin to speak, the Lord will reveal to me what I was saying. And, and so some kind of way he says, Oral Roberts, I want you to build me a university. And he's just pacing around praying. And somewhere he begins to hear the father speaking back to him. Isn't this cool? I mean, is this great? Come on, somebody. And so, and so here's the, so here's the deal. Honestly, it's not as hard. You don't have to be super uber duper, uh, you know, uh, X-Men or like Avenger Christian. You don't have to have a whole lot of faith. Just a little bit of faith. The same faith that, 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 that caused you to believe in Jesus Christ. It's the same faith that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in which you will then have the capacity. Now, whether you choose to or not, that's your own business. But I want all that the Father has for me. Again, Jesus told the disciples, don't try to do anything without being endued with power from on high. So again, at the point of salvation, I want to be crystal clear. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like having a bottle or having a container that is filled with water, okay? And, and, and you are filled. But then to be baptized is a submersion into something. You see what I'm saying? It's not a sprinkle. It's not. No, 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 no. It's very different in filling up this bottle and taking this bottle and completely immersing it in a bucket of water. That's what I'm talking about, you guys. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with Water, But there is coming one who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to unloosen. He is the baptizer. He is the filler tonight. Another thing old Roberts used to always say is the Holy Spirit is simply more of Jesus. He's just 
more of Jesus. He got that just by spending time with the Holy Spirit. One last point of, of clarity. Because I, I know the pushback. I've been there, grown up in denominational churches. I've ministered in different denominations. I was part of a Methodist campus ministry for four years in, in college. And different belief systems and different cultures and different church theologies. Here's the deal. Prayed for many. Seen many students. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody who asks receives. Jesus put it this way. I am a good father. If I ask you for, if you ask me for bread, will I give you a snake? So there's no fear. Oh God, I might receive something evil. I'm opening up myself. No, 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 no. If you ask him for the Holy Spirit, then nothing else you will receive except the Holy Spirit. More than anything else, he is holy. There is a passion for holiness that I cannot explain. I can't impart it to you. I can't pray it into you. I can barely even explain it. But for those of you who encounter the Holy Spirit in this way, there is a certain, uh, there is a, almost like a supernatural hunger for the holiness of God. And while God is father and friend and, and all these different things at the end of the day, tattooed on Jesus' thigh whenever he comes returning is a tattoo on his thigh that says he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. There is one word that the angels begin to declare around the throne night and day. You are holy. You are altogether different. I am telling you, whenever you begin to encounter the Lord in a new dimension and you begin praying in this heavenly language, there is something in you that will rise. Rise up and say, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be like my father. Where you played around before and you've danced around the idea. There is something that I cannot explain. Where this insatiable hunger and this appetite for the holiness of God will overcome you. And you begin to see him for who he really is. And all the beauty that he is. The fullness. So again, the pushback is sometimes, well, gosh, you know, Pastor Brandon, I mean... I mean, I prayed before and I didn't receive it. No, 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 no. You prayed before and by faith you received. Whether or not you spoke in tongues. That's your volition. That's your decision. By faith, you begin to speak out. This is the language of the spirit. Some of you, even as we pray tonight, I believe everybody who asks, receive. Everybody who knocks the door will be answered. Everyone who seeks shall find. If you come searching with your old heart. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I want to teach this very, very clearly. Even tonight. Because we're going to go into a ministry time. And goodness, it's Saturday night. The last night of Quorum Day. And what better time for you to encounter the baptism of the Holy Spirit than now. Or some of you, here's the deal. Before you tell me, well, Pastor Brain, I prayed in tongues six years ago. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He said rivers of living water. Not a puddle. Not a little spout. Okay, not a drop out of the faucet. Rivers of living water. Again, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want more. My assignment tonight is to provoke a hunger on the inside of you. Because I truly believe with all of my heart, the only prerequisite is hunger. Oh, you can say what you want to. I believe the only prerequisite, this is what Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and die, for they shall be filled. Oh, this is good news for those who've been wrapped up in lust and wrapped up in pride. 
and just all jacked up and full of sin. This is good news for you. Okay, this is your part. This is good news. It's not about how good you are. This is a gift that comes from the heavenly father. And just like the gift of salvation cannot be earned, the gift of the Holy Ghost can never be earned. It's simply received by faith. Saying, Father, I want all the fullness of God. Release the fullness of your presence. Let the glory of God come in. Father, I want that explosive dynamite river to flow out of me tonight. And I want to speak in tongues. I want to prophesy. I want the word. I want it all. Okay. So, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. So just to separate prayer language everybody has the capacity to do this is why paul in first corinthians 14 had to lay it out for them he said i know that every single one of you can speak in tongues but whenever you're leading the service gosh think about building others up because if you're in my position on the microphone it's not about you it's not about me okay so 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 again doctrinally here theologically whenever we begin to say well i don't know if it's not for me and it's for no 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 i'm telling you paul told us Peter told us, ultimately Jesus told us, this promise is for all who believe. So when you receive this power from on high, I'm just telling you, you have the God-given right and ability to begin to speak in tongues, to begin to pray. Paul said it this way, I will pray with my mind and I will pray with my spirit. I will sing with my mind but I will sing with my spirit. What did he mean by that? I'll sing in English. Hallelujah, Lord, you are worthy. And I will sing with my spirit. I will pray in English. Father, I pray, God, that the, you know, that the spirit of truth would run forth and all these different things. But he says, I will also pray with my spirit. And everybody's tongue is different. And that's what's so beautiful. But he says, I do both. I do both. I want to do both. I want it all. See what I'm saying? A study was done. I'm wrapping up with this core and the worship team just make their way out. Here's what's really cool because I believe that science will never contradict faith. Science will always add to and enhance our understanding. So a study was done and you can look up even the video on YouTube. If you just Google speaking in tongues or glossolalia. You see that the university, I think it was the University of Pennsylvania. I was just watching this. This is a noted, just a secular psychologist who did this study because he just wanted to find out. I mean, were these Christians just nuts? I mean, they're, I mean, you have, and they always put the crazies on TV, right? I mean, there's just nobody. Okay. And so, and so he just did a study. He's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He wasn't for or against, but he did a study psychologically what happens to the brain whenever we speak he discovered that it's the frontal part of the brain that begins to have major activity anytime anyone is speaking because it's a part of the brain that helps us to form our words and speak in earthly languages so he hooks these spirit-filled tongue-talking believers up and he does this test and he he tells them to begin to pray in english and they begin praying father i worship you lord you are so good and there's major activity in the frontal part of their brain then he tells him i want you i'm just seeing what happens neurologically whenever you speak in this unknown tongue whatever that is and so they begin to speak in tongues hooked up to these neurological or to these machines that monitors their neurological levels so they begin speaking in tongues and to his shock there was no activity in the frontal part of the brain so he concluded secular guy 
He said, I don't know what's going on, but I know this. These people are not praying with their mind. There is something else that is praying. Through. So they did the same study on monks, on Buddhists who go into deep levels of meditation. And again, even whenever they would meditate and not speak, the frontal part of their brain was going crazy because they were focusing their minds. But again, compared to these Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers, no activity. He concluded there is something drastically different with Christians whenever they begin to speak in whatever this supernatural language is. For it's a language, the words that they are saying are not being crafted by their mind. Well, imagine that. Paul says, I'll pray with my mind, but I'll also pray with my spirit. That's all I'm talking about tonight. This is not as weird as it's been made out to be. It's not as hard as it's been made out to be. Again, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. The same way you receive Jesus. You receive this second encounter. Some people receive it right at salvation. I've seen people get saved and in that moment, they just begin speaking in tongues. They even know and it's like, wow. For, for a lot of us, we get saved at one point and then we discover that's how it was for me. At some point I discovered, oh gosh, I, I can have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then I discovered I can have this repetitive encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my question to you tonight, as the worship team begins to play there, my question to you tonight is, gosh, how much of him do you want? How much of him can you stand? We want to give opportunity tonight. Corey's going to lead us in a worship chorus. And those of you, some of you students in here, you prayed in tongues years ago, months ago. Your parents have been praying in the spirit and you're familiar, but gosh, it's been a long time since you tapped into the language of the spirit and allowed that. Sir Paul told Timothy, stir up the gifts of God that are in you by the laying on of my hands. It's yours to stir it up, Timothy. He was just talking about like some emotional high. He says, no, 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 no. Whenever you begin to pray in that unknown language, whenever you begin to operate in these things, there is a stirring that will happen in your spirit. Your faith will begin to rise. Your, 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 your heart for, and your hunger and your passion for holiness will begin to rise. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So tonight, I want you to stand to your feet. Nobody move from where you are. We're going to sing a worship chorus. And I want tonight to remain where you are. Well, there are many of us who are accustomed just to praying for multiple people throughout the night. I want tonight, I want our desperation staff, our DLA, DSM, full-time staff, spouses. We want to minister to you tonight. We believe that even tonight that there are prophetic words that are going to be released in this place of edification to build you up for those on our staff who operate in such a strong prophetic gifting and we just want to we want the holy spirit to have his way we want him to speak we need to hear his voice is anybody with me tonight anybody hungry for more of god again hunger is the only prerequisite. Of course, you gotta be saved. You can't receive the Holy Spirit without first receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins and saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. So salvation and simple hunger. And he responds. I believe even as I've talked about him tonight, he's in this room. 
he's here. So I want us to do this as we sing through one of these worship choruses. Right where you are, I want you to begin to stir up your faith. What I mean by that is if you are asking, and we're going to give opportunity tonight. We're not going to force anybody to do anything. This is why I want to do it in a responsatory type of way. I'm going to give an altar call here tonight for anybody who is wanting to receive the Holy Spirit, first of all, but also wanting to pray in an unknown tongue. Receive this thing that we just call a a prayer language. It's It's a language of the Spirit. Nobody's going to force you into anything. Nobody's going to twist your arm or I don't believe in manufacturing anything. But I do believe that you need to be given permission. And tonight, as a pastor in this ministry, I just want to say, I give you permission tonight to speak the language of the Spirit. Paul says in the church, I'd have you speak one or two. But he says, hey, 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 but but 1 Corinthians 14, read on. He says, Habib, you can speak in an unknown tongue if you just speak to yourself and to God. So as long as you're not on this microphone, I want you to go after it tonight. And those of you, I feel like the Lord would say, this gift has been laying dormant in you for years. And tonight the Lord says, I am calling you out. And I'm saying, stir it up again because this generation needs it. Stir it up again because you need to know that there is a language that is on the inside of you that God has already graced you for. So we're going to worship, stir our hearts. In a few minutes, I'm going to give an altar call for anybody who wants to receive Holy Spirit, receive a prayer language. And those of you who have, I want you to begin to stir it up even now. Just stirring that up. Just speaking in tongues, okay? And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.